0: We're going to talk about 15 key concepts in, in building a business. Um, my background is, you know, and just this is just simply to credential myself for the discussion. Bear with me uh, so I don't sound too obnoxious, but went to Harvard Law School. Anybody that went to Harvard Law School often tells you that in the first 10 seconds of them talking. So I, I apologize for that embarrassing fact. Uh, University of Illinois is an undergraduate CPA by background, uh, really involved in building a couple businesses. Uh, Built a great law practice and a magnificent team at McGuire Woods as a healthcare partner, led the National Healthcare Department for 15 years plus, uh, built a media company um, with a great team there and great co-leadership to, you know, to a point where at some point sold their private equity fund valued in nine figures plus, et cetera, et cetera, lots of different partners in it, uh, that, also served on the boards of several companies, served on the board of a couple of companies now, uh, finally an investor with Andreessen Horowitz and several ventures, and you know just having a lot of fun staying engaged in business in different ways and still very involved with the law firm and with Becker's Healthcare. The, the, the thought we would do today is um, you know also we produce a separate podcast, the Becker Business Minute, very short, concise episodes and, and try and do periodic webinars we're always looking for great guests for webinars uh, to join us on on a variety of business subjects. And just, uh, so so we'll we'll tie into this and sort of 15 key concepts in building a business. And and I'll start with the first one is, and somebody described this to me today, uh, Amber Walsh, one of my colleagues had described this today. The first concept we talk about always is a niche centric business. And, And there's different kinds of business. There's businesses that you're selling to everybody, uh, and that's one kind of business. I never personally wanted to be in that kind of business. I, I very much want to be on when I'm on, not on when I'm not on, and, and selling it to a specific niche. Much easier to build a business, in my perspective, around niches. Uh, at, at the law firm, for example, there were people in healthcare, there were people in private equity. Where some of the partners really drove great business development is when they focused their entire practice around healthcare, private equity. So some of our partners built great, great practices around that. Similarly, within the media businesses, If you're a a newspaper for all comers like USA Today, it's very hard to build tremendous value unless you happen to be tremendously so great at it, whereas instead you're a media company on a specific area, much more likely to be successful, much more likely to be clear. So you could target yourself, all the efforts go around the niche, uh, as Amber Watts describes it. You want to be able to describe your niche in, you know, in, in three to four literally words or sentences that this is who we target. This is where we're after. This is the business segment that we're in. It almost goes back to a, you know, whatever niche you're in, you want to be a leader in so that in good times you do great, and bad times you survive. Uh, some of that goes back to the Jack Welch theory of business that, you know, everything you do. You want to be first or second in, and you know. And, and I think this concept is right on. That you want to define a niche that you could win in, uh, and at the same time that it's that it's large enough that it's worth winning in. Uh, and but it's but it's this, this fine balance. If you're in too big a niche, then you get attacked by all the biggest, you know, players, uh, and and you're competing against the very best and the strongest and largest, more resources than yourself. If you're in too small a niche, you can't support and build the team you want to build. So it's trying to find that right niche. Where you've got room to grow, uh, but but you've got a sweet spot in the market, and and you people know you for what you do and know your company for what you do. So that's first concept we look at, and this is you know true whether you're at, you know a uh, you know an accounting firm that you focus on a specific type of market, whether you're a surgery center and you focus on a specific type of procedure or physician. You're not all things to all people. You're trying to be great in your niche. So that's the first concept we look at a business, and we feel it is critical to. To a lot of things, the first three concepts we talk about are sort of fundamental concepts to everything, and they'll be niche-centric, customer-centric, and people and team-centric. The second t- concept we talk about in building a business is this concept of constant customer centricity. It's it's, and this ties into a lot of other concepts we talk about about knowing your business, knowing your customers. But if you're a large, let's say, accounting firm, uh, and you've got five thousand clients, you want to understand which are the 20%, those thousand that really pay the bills and and make sure you're really taking care of them. In any sort of business, there's typically some percentage of clients that generate the vast majority of your revenues. And the the view is to make sure you're doing everything you can to take care of your customers really well. Um, The worst businesses that I've been associated or seen are ones where there are great salespeople, uh, but there is not great service. So the, the concept being that you end up in a, in a what we often called in one business, catch and release. People were catching customers, but releasing them. And that's an awful way to go through business. So the concept is once you have customers, taking care of them so well, being willing to get feedback. You know, often when it's going well, you don't even need the feedback, but it's fun to ask for it. Uh, When it's going poorly and you're not serving customers as you want to, it's often not fun to ask for the feedback. And you often know that you're not serving customers as you should, but this concept of really understanding what you have to do to serve the customer's needs, how they want them served. uh, and, And often it's not so much surveys, it's really having a close enough connection that, that you really understand what customers need and what they want and that you're taking care of them in the right way. They're, they're getting what they need out of what they expect from your business, whatever sort of business it is. The third concept we talk about, and again, the first three concepts override everything is what we think of as people and team centric. Uh, I've come to the conclusion a long time ago that nothing great is built without teams and without lots of people. Um, when you look at any company, you know, there's, there's this old adage, You can go fast alone, but if you wanna go far, you need a team. And I think it's really true. If you wanna build anything of substance at the end of the day, it requires great people. And we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about the founder's evolution, the founder's dilemma. But if you wanna build a great business, do anything of any significance at all. It's gonna require teams and people, not just oneself. You could have a great business by yourself, but it's a small business and that's fine if that's what you wanna do. If you just wanna be an independent consultant, you just wanna do whatever you wanna do, you wanna be a public speaker, whatever it might be, you could do that, a professional contractor, a teacher. You could be a tutor. You could be a lot of things by yourself. And that's great. And that might be what you want to do. But if you want to build a great business, you're going to, my experience is, it, it takes great people and great teams to build a great business. So, so people and teams. So, so, we think of everything wrapping up on these first three concepts to start with niche centric, customer centric, and, and people and team centric. Then we'll talk about a number of other concepts beyond those three, the next 12 concepts. So, we'll start with those. The fourth thing we talk about is product market fit. And this is the issue, and you've seen an explosion of this not working right, coming out of Silicon Valley, coming out of venture capital, coming out of software companies, and so forth. There are so many companies that are built because the founder or somebody wants to do something, and that's this concept, just follow your passion. The reality is you need sort of both. You've got to do something you want to do or a company wants to do that they want to be great at, but it's got to intersect well with what customers actually need. And you've seen an explosion of things that were well-funded the last decade, the last five to 10 years, that were really built around something that somebody had an idea, but they've not really deeply tested this or not so closely intimate with their customers to understand, did customers really want this? And and again, there's this fine line between people that want to be leaders and pioneers, and God bless you, but you also have to make sure that whatever you're doing has what's called product market fit. That you're not just so well funded that you've lost sight of do customers really need this do they really want this and part of this is having deep intimate conversations with customers part of this is testing and understanding what they really want or don't want uh, but some of the worst businesses i've seen have spent years building a product but were so slow in starting to commercialize it that they never got to the spot to really understand did clients really want this or customers really want it or not uh, the best, for example, software as a service companies are very early on doing both great focus on engineering and software engineering and an absolute great focus on commercialization. When when I'm always worried about a business is they say, we've got a great idea, we've got this, we're doing this, um, but we know we've not really talked deeply. We don't have any any revenues, any customers, anything at, at all. And And I'll just to that point, we talk about things from a business perspective from a funnel uh idea to they've actually developed a product to they actually have revenues they actually have profits they actually can be scalable and, and you know if you look at that funnel there's no shortage of ideas billions of ideas the next funnel down is they've actually turned this into a product or software or something but just having turned it into a product is fun and an advanced hobby it's not as you get to the next spot that a customer wants to buy it that you've got revenues that you have a business. Then it's deciding, you know, can you make that a profitable business, and then can it scale? And that brings us to our fifth point, which is scalability. When we talk about businesses, there are certain kinds of businesses where one plus one is three, where you can get something going strongly enough, and it's not just linear sort of growth, but it's scalable growth. You don't have to add on another body for every bit of growth. Um, You you know, the example of uh, linear growth would be the big law firms, the big accounting firms, lots of big things. It's relatively linear. Uh, Non-linear would be that big accounting firm develops also a software product that now can sell without any people on for every single, you know, for every single additional dollar revenue that they want. So, and again, right now, the, the bloom is off the rose on Silicon Valley. But but the beauty of these scalable software businesses, if they're scaled right and built right, is everything's not so linear. The, the beauty of a media company that's going right is everything's not all linear. It's not just every there's not a single bit of input for every bit of output. Rather, there, there's 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 a building to a spot where everything's not dependent upon adding an additional body for additional revenues. Uh, where you could where you could turn that ratio of revenues to people into a higher and higher number. Uh, if you're running a, a personal training facility, great business, could be a great business, but it's very hard to scale at a very high level because every bit of additional revenue requires more people. I, I think the fascinating you, you see in terms of these scalable models is, and I think it's fascinating, is these these big real estate companies like the App Properties, the Berkshire Hathaways, whatever they are, the, the real estate parts of these, where they've got every agent essentially shares a percentage with the company And it can be somewhat scalable because they're just providing management services to those agents, and the agents are are running their own independent businesses using the realtor. But you look at businesses, are they scalable or not? And again, it depends what you want out of your business, uh, but you you sort of have to look at this early on. Can you build a business that has product market fit that somebody wants, and then is it a business that's possibly scalable? You know, people are trying to scale all these things today around platforms and physician practices and so forth, And, and what you find is very hard to scale even though you know people are doing it but they they run into lots of challenges too so scalability can the business be scaled or is it so reliant on every single bit of of additional dollars on additional people is there some you know ability to to get to more dollars without absolutely adding on more people at all times uh the the fifth concept we look at in any business is clarity of goals what are you trying to do And what are you trying to be great at? At at, at some point in whatever business you're in, uh, and and the challenge to this is sustainability over the long run, it's trying to be the very best at what you're doing. So if you're trying to be the very best, uh, uh, you know, if you're trying to be an accounting firm, that's a national accounting firm, but you want to have the best practice in private equity, can you be the very best at it? Uh, if you're trying to serve a local community in Northwest Indiana, can you be very the best at serving that community to where you're a leader in that area, whatever it might be, but it's constantly looking at, you know, can we have clarity of what we're trying to achieve? Uh, can we be the very best at concise coverage of business news? Can we be very the best at concise coverage of healthcare news for hospital CEOs, for hospital leaders? Can we be the very best at it, you know, or or if you're not the very best at it? Is it worth doing is the great question, but, but the rewards go to those that, that are willing to be clear about what they're trying to be the best at, what they're trying to be great at. Uh, we see it in the law firm with some of our lead partners who've just done a magnificent job of building practice where they're, they're sort of obsessed with greatness, where they're trying to be great at a very specific thing. They've got great clarity of it. And you see this across, across industries, across businesses. Are you actually trying to be great or are you just trying to get by? Uh, and two different things. The seventh thing, and we try and tell this to our children, we try and tell this to others is at some point, and it ties into this court of goals and this desire to be great at what you do. If you're an instructor, a teacher, if you're teaching karate, whatever you're doing, are you obsessed with being great at what you do? Are you trying to be great as a teacher? Are you trying to make an impact? But at some point to be great at something, and, and Ben Stein, for those uh, of my age that remember who that is, you know, used to do this concept of, you know. You know, obsessed with greatness, if you want to be great at something, there's some prolonged period of time that you're probably going to have to be obsessed with it to to really connect dots to really become great at it, and it's not easy, but this concept of, you know, can you become great at something, can your company, can you, can whatever you're trying to build become great at something, but it's probably going to require, not listening to this concept of work-life balance, not listening to this concept of everything else we'll talk about today, But it's probably gonna acquire at some point that you obsess about it for a prolonged period of time to be great at it. Many of us, when you get to my age, almost you know, older, you you no longer have that energy. To be absolutely the best at what you were the best at some time ago but but it, it, you better build teams that want to have that greatness and want to strive for greatness uh because it's it's it, it but but you have to be great i mean if you want to win at something in business you probably have to be great at it and be obsessed with trying to be great at and it. it's going to probably take some prolonged effort of time to do so the the next point that we talk about is this concept of gratitude um in, in gratitude it's this concept of sincere and genuine thankfulness to both your team and your customers. Like I always read the law business as this great business in that you had on one hand, you had customers, clients, accounts. On the other hand, you had people and the entire business was really connecting great lawyers with great customers. And if you're a leader of that, if you're involved in that or any business you're in, whether you're in the media business, it's great audience with great customers. Uh, And then great, a great team that takes care of all of that. You better be grateful, sincerely grateful, the people that work with you, the teams that work with you, the teams you're trying to build, that this notion of gratitude, and and we talk about it in business as a a culture of appreciation. You, You better find a way beyond money, beyond paying people, beyond connecting with people, to be sincerely grateful to the people that you're connected with. I know that we've got, um, you know, colleagues that I've been with forever and 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 you better truly appreciate them. And it's the same in any business that you're building, but we view this culture of appreciation, this concept of being grateful as so critical to everything that one does. Um, and, and it's gotta be, you know, it's, it's very hard to fake it. I think people try and fake it. This, this concept in the workplace of authenticity is so true. And if you wanna build a business. If you want to be a business leader, which I was at one time, not so much anymore, you, you better be grateful to people. You better, you better really appreciate both your clients and the people that work with you on your team. You better love both of them. That's sort of our ninth point today in 15 keys to building a business is this concept of authentic gratefulness and, and, and really appreciating people, uh, because you can't do anything. As we were talking about earlier, what I found is you can't do anything without teams. Um, you know, anything I've been involved in, never really started to strive and grow until we built great teams that that went way beyond oneself as a founder or initial driver of a business. The the 10th thing that I'll talk about is, is the best people that run businesses, they they really know their own business. They know what makes the business go. They know the industry. They know their key people. They, They really know their own business. And I think that this, this concept is, um, you know, like the the best operator I ever knew of surgery centers, you know, might've been running 60 surgery centers, but knew what was going on in San Antonio at that specific center within moments of something bad happening or good happening or stuff like that. Just was in San they had to be a micromanager, but they had to really know their own business in, in running a, you know, professional services practices, you might have a hundred clients but you better know who are the 17 of yours that really pay the bills. You might have 50 people on your team. You better know the 10 that really are driving and managing your teams and growing the business. I mean, it's really, it really comes down to you could be in a 10,000 person law firm, but you better know the couple hundred that really drive the thing or the, or the couple hundred clients that are so important to everything and have a real focus on it. So it's, it's really knowing your own business and knowing the trends in your business, knowing the people in your business, knowing the teams, knowing the customers, and so forth. But this concept of knowing your, your people is so, so important. If at some point you become so disengaged that you're no longer then engaged in it, one, maybe you shouldn't be a leader in it anymore, or two, you better have built people and teams and, and, and groups that are doing those things that really know the business, really know the clients. Like, nothing makes me happier watching a, an email today from a client to a, lawyer, uh, leader in the firm, praising that leader for how well that leader, how well that, that person, how well she handles that, that general counsel, but sort of that, that intimate relationship, that knowing the clients, knowing the business, knowing what's going on, so critical to success in business. And I think the, you know, you always know if you're an investor in businesses, you could tell very quickly, are the people that are running the business you're investing in, do they really know their business or not? And nothing that gives less confidence when we don't know their business. It, the business may not be going well, but it's tremendously confidence inspiring when you know that the people you're working with know their business very, very well. So know your own business. The, the next concept we'll talk about is to have a clear plan of what you're trying to do and then have an open mind. Um, we talk about this in businesses. 80% of efforts are really focused on this is the core of our business. It's serving hospitals and health systems. It might be serving private equity funds, whatever it might be. And then 20% of the mindset to what are the pivots we need to make? How do we need to approach this differently? Are there other verticals we should be looking at? But, but it's, it's very dangerous in business to have everybody working on the new 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 idea every single day. And I know this is counter to today's world of innovation, and I'm not discounting innovation and looking at innovation, but there is a discipline in business to spending 80% of your efforts on your sort of clear plan, but then having an open mind to look at, to be observant enough, to be obsessed enough, to be engaged enough in your business, to see the possible pivots, to see where those opportunities are. And and we look at that as a constant effort to sort of have a clear plan. This is where we're going. This is the core of our goals. This is what we're obsessed about. At the same time, be somewhat open to pivots and understand where those pivots might have to be. Any business you're in for a long time, you're gonna to have to make pivots. And so, this great balance of executing on what you're doing while being open to pivots and having an open mind is great. With also the ability to say, you know, it's time to. Um, to, to to slow down on new ideas and work on executing what we're doing and it's a constant balance of course but you got to be so close to your business to be able to understand and see those those pivots is is the perspective the um the next thing we talk about is the 80-20 rule and, and the first concept is in almost every business there's this old principle the pareto principle everybody's almost i'm sure has heard of it at some point or another this concept that of your results probably come from 20% of your customers or 80% of your results come from 20% of your people. And and again, those numbers are not exact. They're directional, but the, 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 the best leaders, the best managers understand what's driving 80% of their business. What keeps the lights on who are the people who are the customers and they're really spending the huge percentage of their time, on those people that are really driving the business, those customers that are really important to the business, versus being spread out all over the all over the place. Uh, you know, you, we think that when when you're running things effectively, you really know who your best people are, who your best customers are, and a disproportionate amount of your attention is being spent on those people and on those customers. And it just is, um, you know, it's critical. It's 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 basic, but it's absolutely critical. Um, similar idea we talked about in 13 is a different 80-20 rule. And I'm probably repeating this some from what we talked about earlier. Earlier we talked about is being able to be so close to your business, to see the pivots, but having a clear plan for business. The next thing we talk about is this 80-20 rule. We talk about it in a different way that you spend 80% of your time on your core business and 20% of your time on new ideas. And, and again, I, I tell like uh, you know, young people that go into business, that at the end of the day, when they're first getting there, even though they may be so bright and see things differently and have different ideas, that their first job, it's almost like being a new CEO the first 90 days, their first job is to understand the landscape, get comfortable culturally, and so forth, and to to sort of hold their tongue on their thousand new ideas until they've built up some credibility until they've grown into the business and so forth. And it's sort of as an overriding principle, this concept of 80% of what you're doing and executing on the business. So if you're running you know, whatever business you're running, you're running a set of franchises, you're running a personal training studio, 80% on how do I keep this going right, take care of our customers, great, do the business, great, make sure profits and losses work, 20% on how do I sort of like, what are the new ideas? How do I add to this? How do I make growth non-linear? How, how can I expand our revenues without necessarily having to grow more locations, grow more trainers, grow more ever, whatever it might be. But but 80% of the time I'm actually in the business, 20% on new ideas. That's the concept we look at. Um, the, the 14th thing we talk about is the, the mix of great businesses are great systems and great ideas, great processes and great ideas. Every great business I know at some point has some kind of formula or system for how they do things. And my view of formulas, systems, variability re- re- reduction is that it's not that you're doing everything by exactly rote perfect, but it's a combination of great systems, great processes, great formulas with great people that makes a difference. If we've got a standard way of doing things, my view of the world is you make great people better. You allow them to, to really have clarity about it. here's what I got to do and more efficient and better and the creative minds build the work and, and 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 suit up. And you make okay people better too because they've got clarity of here's how we do things. And then the concept is you need great systems and great people. You could have great systems and if you have mediocre people, you're probably not going to do very well. Uh, if you have poor systems and great people, you'll probably still get by and do okay but the best combination for sort of maximizing the efforts, efficiencies and growing a business is some mix of great formulas and great people. You know I, I look at um, I mean, so many different examples of this in business, but I think this combination of great systems and great people is how we look at things, great systems, great teams is, is really the way that we look at it and how to work through things. Um, I know, I, I had to type of my notes, but great systems and great people is how we look at it. And then finally, the last thing I talk about, particularly for a growing business, and it's probably true of any business, particularly for a growing business, is you wanna know in business, what are your absolute core competencies and what you have to be great at? And then you stack all your resources on those core competencies, what you have to be great at, whether it's a sales team, a writing team, an events team, a legal team around a certain area, whatever it might be, whatever the business is, what you have to be absolutely great at, developing a software product, that has to be great. Um, and then you outsource everything else that you can because you want to have all your full-time people all the people that are working with you all the time stacking resources around those things that are most important and, and you sort of really view it that way as what are what are sort of um, you know what are your core competencies what do you have to be great at and this goes back to sort of defining what is your niche what are you going to be great at what are your core competencies what are the four or five things your business is great at like i find nothing worse than an undisciplined business that's starting that has 20 different people doing 20 different things you know they've hired you know two accounts, two lawyers, to this, two this, to that, and what eff- essentially happens is they've diffused all their sort of power, and they're probably not created anything, uh, and that's no way to build a business. So we look at this concept of great businesses need to know the core competencies, and particularly as you grow, and even as you're much bigger, you're literally outsourcing everything else outside of those core competencies. So again, those are fifteen concepts today: niche centric, customer centric. People in team-centric, product market fit, fit, scalability, clarity of goals and what your business should be great at. Seven, obsession with greatness. Eighth, the evolution of the leader. I forgot to talk about this. And anyway, so I'm glad I went through my notes again. So the concept is in a great business, founding great businesses. When a founder starts a business, he or she does everything. Then they hire people that do things, maybe not as well as they do, but they hire people. The worst thing in business is when people hire worse than themselves. And when when a business has really evolved, they've hired people that are better than him or her to do almost everything. So the great businesses become less and less reliant upon the founder, the builder, et cetera. They've built teams where they far far outstripped the owners, founders, original owners, usefulness or or, or vision. And this is when you've built a great business. I mean, Steve Jobs, for all his inventiveness, the greatest thing that ever happened was developing not just him, but an entire team around him. Where the company Apple, which is I think now top in market capitalization in the country, uh, third in sales after maybe Walmart and Amazon. And I mean, the greatest thing that ever, he ever did was build this magnificent team of next leaders. So that as he died, the great legacy is his company still the most successful company in America today. Well after his death, it's similar with Bill Gates, where he Bill Gates obviously one of these genius founders but what he's done is built a company that way 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 sustains itself and has got bigger and better microsoft after bill gates i think microsoft's the second largest most capitalized market cap company in the country today so it's founder's evolution of going from where you're the person to you're no longer the person this is very hard on the small business founder's ego but that's where you have to go in a business uh the 10th point we made: know your own business we talked about gratitude as well we talk about having a clear plan and being open to pivots. Uh, we, we discussed this concept of the 80-20 rule, spending the vast majority of your time on your most important people, your most important customers. We also talked about the 80-20 rule and as to execution versus new ideas. Uh, finally, we, we talked about great systems and great people that, that both are critical to success. And, and lastly, great businesses know their core competencies, what they have to be absolutely great at you know and, and you're really focused here and my my mind outside of the core conferences you're outsourcing everything else let me stop for a moment ask jeremy excuse my hand there if there's any questions uh Yes, did I miss number eight? Uh, thank you for that comment. We we came back to it. Number eight is the founders' evolution. The great founders move way way beyond themselves. You know, it's um, you know I'm a small business founder. The ego and moving beyond yourself is challenging, but it's, if you want to be a great business, you got to ultimately end up with people that are much much smarter than yourself, much more effective than yourself running everything. I know I got to a much better place in my law practice, a much better place in my media business when every single position that I used to do was now done by somebody better. And, and now I'm almost 60. When people come to me and say, Scott, I want you to handle our deal. I say to them, well, that would be, that would be dumb because the people that are 30, 40, 50, they're doing this full time that are at it full time do it much, much better. But that's the evolution of how it's got to go to where where you're, you're hiring people that at the end of the day are, are much better than themselves. There's a great concept in a book by this guy, Jeff Fox, which is this concept of, you know, Eights hire 10s, if you want to be a great business, you might be a seven or eight but you got to hire nines and 10s. And the opposite is also true if you're if you're an eight or nine you hire fours and fives and end up with a horrible business in the long run so founders got to hire and grow people that are better than themselves that's the concept of, of number eight Thank you for that question. Let me ask the audience if anybody has any questions any anything they'd like to add to the discussion. Um would love to hear from people if you have any questions or issues. And and thank you so much for listening in. Excuse my hand going across the screen. Um, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. I appreciate you listening in so much. We'll, we'll post this on the Becker Private Equity Podcast, the Becker Business Minute Podcast. Before I post it, I, I would love anybody that has a comment to either email me at sbecker, Group.com or to text me at 773-766-5322. We'll probably wait a day to post this. If you have comments, you thought I really hit something poorly or it should really be addressed differently, I would very much appreciate hearing from you. Uh, If you have suggestions for further webinars or subjects you'd like to hear about more, we also would very much appreciate hearing from you. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us today on the uh, Becker Business Minute, Becker Private Equity Podcast, Uh, also partner at McGuire Woods, Founder, publisher still at Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for joining us today.